Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We're your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. I am fresh off a series of interviews with folks that want to work with us as part of our sales team. Um, you know what? I wasn't planning on talking about this, so I'll only talk about it for like 60 seconds. If you guys are interested in being um, part of our sales team as a new member coach, new member coach means you're a salesperson when working with us. Um, email uh, me directly, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com, and I'll send you to um, the application page, and you can listen to a little webinar I did describing the job. But we do need five people um, right away. So if you think you're a good fit, but here's the deal. You've got to make sure that you're looking for a real sales job. By real sales job, I mean you're going to be on the phone. You guys hear us on this podcast every day. You could probably surmise that when I tell you it's a real sales job, it's a real sales job. So if you're interested, email me, but you better make sure that you're really clear that this is not anything more than essentially on the phone, following a script, um, you know, helping folks uh, you know, move towards becoming members of our uh, coaching programs. Okay? So if that's a good fit for you, if you're looking for a career change, it can be very lucrative um, provided you do the job. Our top new member coach is probably going to make over $300,000 this year. So there you go. So I have interviews on the mind, Julie. I apologize if that was a little boring. <laughs> That's okay. No, no worries. It's all important. <laughs> all right, good. So, guys, we're going to be talking yeah. today about 16 ways to find inventory, houses for sale, which is an interesting little paradox considering we've been spending the whole week talking about basically the changing market. You know, it's kind of fascinating that we're in this world where you sort of have this bifurcation, you know, of information. Is the market going into recession or is the market, you know, is there a lack of inventory? And as I think we pre we've pretty thoroughly answered yesterday, the answer truly is both. It's going both directions, depending on your market, depending on the price point. Um, I had a flurry of uh, fearful emails yesterday after the podcast where they were asking us because they know that we, you know, folks who have been with, listening to us for a long time, you guys know that Julie and I called the ball correctly uh, 12 years ago when you were, a lot of you were coaching clients and you knew that we told you that there was going to be some kind of housing correction. Now, we didn't predict it was going to be as bad as it was, but we knew there was something that was going to happen. Um, and all the tea leaves that we read back then, were, we, we checked literally every single day, and we're checking them again now. And they're all telling us that there's going to be a, a fairly significant um, shift in the housing market, but it's going to be different this time. And just so that you're clear, by different I mean there's not going to be a big, uh, huge drop in uh, values. Now, let me be clear on that. And this is really important that you guys understand this. And this is, I apologize, maybe my fault for not having been clear about this yesterday. Well, Julie's to blame too. She could have corrected me. <laughs> So here's the difference. My fault. You have, that's right. It's your fault. So you have a lot of sellers. We interviewed Diane Ramirez last week, right? Halstead's uh, owner CEO, and she said it so elegantly. She said basically the days of aspirational pricing from a seller's market, from a seller's perspective, are over. 
and that really does encapsulate it. So if you have sellers that are uh, pricing on, you know, aspirationally based on what the past performance has been, you know, last year the houses appreciated 9% or 7% or 14%, and why would this year be any different, okay? Those are the types of sellers that are going to basically be the grumpiest to deal with because they're still pricing based on old information. Um, so what we're expecting to happen is that there's going to be some price adjustments to what the correct market value is, but we do not expect there to be a collapse in house values. Matter of fact, I'm quite positive that there won't be. There'll be price adjustments. So there might be in, there's inventory out there, especially in the high end, that is just plain not priced according to this market. Those will need to have their prices lowered. But for the most of the country, 99% of you, you guys will see a rising interest rate environment, but the lack of inventory situation will not change. I don't see any reason to believe that in most of the country there's going to be any kind of perilous drop in value or any real precipitous slowdown in, in, um, in, in demand, to be honest with you. The difference between this um, housing uh, adjustment, whatever you want to call it, correction, slowdown, whatever, and the previous one is that the market is much stronger than it was before because of the nature of the buyers that are in the houses. The buyer, and you can, well, in other words, they put more money down. There's not all these crazy arm loans and all these other lessons that, for the most part, we did learn from the last housing crash. Um, so those don't, those products don't really exist. And it, and you are not looking at a lot of people that are just were speculators. So a lot of folks that are in these houses are going to stay put because. Unlike before, if they decided to bail on their houses, their, act, their monthly payment on the house that they're living in will actually be less, even if, it's, even if it's at par. In other words, they have no equity in it. So they bought in the last year. They were anticipating the house to maybe appreciate 10% this year. It didn't. It's only going to appreciate 3 or 4%. So if they were to sell it with selling fees, they have no equity. So maybe the original plan was just to cash out in a year and make a little bit. Well, that's not going to happen. And whereas back in 07, they just say, well, I'm just going to bail on this house because I don't have any money in it. Uh, I'm going to go rent something or whatever. They can't do that now because for the most part, the rents in many markets are actually more than what a house payment would be because the interest rates have been so low for so long. So pretty much all the things that led to the last housing massive crash, they don't exist anymore. The major problems in housing aren't there. The recession, when it happens, which will probably happen sometime in the next two or three years, is going to be mostly felt on a regional basis. And, you know, for the most part, you guys will not even – it won't be even that much more than basically just a little scab. That's all it will be. It will heal over fast. It's not going to be anything like it was before. So please don't overreact. But in the transition, which we're essentially in now, many of you who have been in it for a while working upper end, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The hard part is dealing with all the sellers who are still hoping and praying that their place is worth more than it is and then having to basically bring them down to reality um, and having to n learn price change scripts. How to, how, you know, the best price change script, as Julie said so elegantly yesterday, is pricing it correctly when you take the listing. You know, then you don't have to worry about price change scripts. So we're entering into a market time where agents with little skill who have gotten their business mostly from centers of influence and past clients, in other words, haven't had to really be very good salespeople, those are the ones that are going to suffer the most. The ones that are going to really kick some serious butt are the agents that have, frankly, taken the time to get really good. Well, you know what? You don't even need to be really good. Just be good at 
um, you know, helping sellers understand the importance of positioning their houses correctly in the market so they actually sell. And when they come across the listing that's overpriced, maybe an expired, how to have a conversation with the seller in such a way that doesn't piss them off that they position the house on the market so that it, you know, that it sells. Those are the types of uh, skill-based approaches to real estate that aren't really needed in a real hot seller's market, but they're needed now. And they're going to really be needed in six months to 12 months. That's when you're going to start seeing everyone sort of settle into the new reality that, for the most part, buying a house has been a winning lottery ticket, but not so much now. And this now being 12 or maybe 24 months from now. So please be ready for that, but be clear about it and don't overreact. The problem when some of you overreact is you overcorrect and you allow fear to basically run your life. And then what happens is you create this wall of uh, instability in your own life and you stop making decisions you stop doing work and you just start to you know dig a hole and, and, and you know wait for the zombie apocalypse some of you go to that extreme because you had such a kick in the head during the last recession please do not over overcorrect please just you know approach this as clear-minded as you can as unemotionally as you can and remember the greatest fortunes in the history of history have always been made during the greatest times of change all right so today we're talking about 16 great ways to find buyer, uh, buyer's homes, 16 hidden places where inventory is waiting for you to find for your buyers. Julie, before you get to your first point, do you have any shout outs? I do, and this is great. This is from Teresa Mesmer. I believe Teresa's in Indiana, if I recall correctly. If not, I apologize if I screwed that up, but I think that's right. Teresa writes, doing what I don't want to do when I don't want to do it at the highest level. Door knocking, and it's 93 degrees, and that's with my car sitting in the shade, LOL. Good thing is there's baby wipes, uh, makeup wipes, coolers, keeping my makeup cool, and plenty of water in my car in the cooler. Now, why would I subject myself to this kind of insanity? Because I have all of my listings sold. I have buyer's looking for homes. I have back-to-back -back closings tomorrow, so I must find listings. So there's somebody being super proactive. And then we have a great picture from Stephen Myers of his completed pre-listing package who has stated, and I think this is for everyone who's still working on their pre-listing packages, he says, what I like about the PLP, other than the fact that it's finished, is that it helped me understand and expand upon my personal value proposition so I can clearly communicate it to my buyers and sellers. Heck, I haven't felt this good about myself since my last high school reunion. So get it done, those of you who are procrastinating. You know who you are. And Teresa, happy door knocking. Teresa has gotten great results from her door knocking, and uh, she's out there creating business for herself. So keep up the good work. And then let's go talk about this inventory issue, how to find homes. And as I said yesterday, the MLS is just one way. It's not the only way. And for those of you who are saying, I'm, you know, I'm a listing agent, I'm dealing with listings, I'm doing what you said and being more predominantly a listing agent than a buyer's agent, why do I need to know this stuff when I'm concentrating on listings? Well, what is one of the plights of the listing agent? Particularly those of you who are listing in the mid-range up through the luxury market, many of your would-be listings aren't listing. Why? because you haven't found them something to buy yet. So yes, it does affect you as a listing agent, and if it hasn't yet, it's going to. Many of you are in markets where home sale contingencies are not gonna fly if you're competing. So this list is critical for both sides of the picture, buyer's agents and listing agents. So I wanna to jump to kind of our first major point here. Remember that it's not the buyer's job to find the property to buy, it's your job. Don't wait for the buyer to email you what they want. Probably it's already sold. Take the initiative and look daily for homes that meet the buyer's needs. 
Remember to communicate with the buyer that you're actively looking on their behalf, otherwise they probably are going to work with someone else. Stay ahead of your competition and be the first one to see the new inventory. So monitor your hot sheet and be ready to pounce. Next major point, recognize, this is, most of you have realized this, but there's still listeners that don't get this. Not all homes are sold through the MLS, Multiple Listing Service. Many are being sold intra-office, inter-office, and in many other ways, okay? The listing agent does have the power, so don't be surprised when listing agents attempt to pre-market their listings in an effort to double in the sale. That's their prerogative, they're the listing agent. Your mission is to romance the local listing agents, so they'll share with you their pre-listings, maybe some of them have REO listings, and certainly they have pocket listings, things that fall into the pre-marketing category. So we're going to get to strategies for generating the right inventory. And guess what? None of this costs you any money. This is all good. So pick at least three of them to get great at implementing. And I always recommend to our Premier Coaching clients, Tim, that they print this list because this is 16 ways. And they look at this as their checklist every time they have an active, motivated, qualified buyer. Now, of course, we always argue that Nobody actually has to buy, which brings you back to having to be a listing agent. But again, some of those listings will have to buy with you. Okay, so uh, let's start out with one of my favorites, new construction. Point number one, again, we're talking about creating inventory, not just the MLS. New construction, almost never listed in the MLS, although some of them are starting to pick it up now. Don't count on your new construction being in the MLS. Find out what's being built by looking in your local weekend newspaper, and actually visiting all the models. You can also Google like New Construction North Atlanta will give you a great list and it will also show you a map in Google. Start a file called New Construction and actually know the inventory. Know the price range, the area, the spec homes, the builder perks, and who's got special financing. Become friends with new build reps because they can be a great resource of, guess what, resale referrals, not just giving you the inventory, and giving you the skinny on maybe, you know, new construction falls out of contract all the time for different reasons. Those become spec homes, often not in the MLS. So, you know, you've got to know where your inventory is. Anything you want to add to the new construction end of things? We have a, a dedicated podcast for working new construction, but we're just talking about using it for buyers. No, I think I remember all the agents that we have coached over the years who have uh, buddied up with the new home builder uh, rep in the usually the small to mid-sized home build, build rep where it's, you know, they're working all the weekends and all the rest of it and they want to take the occasional weekend off where those uh, agents would say, hey, listen, if you want to take Saturday off, I can sit this for you. And then they pick off all kinds of leads and sell houses. I remember another agent that we had that we coached that would um, new build rep or new build area that was by there. The, the area was selling so fast. The new build rep was never in the office. They were always out showing and selling dirt. And with the permission of the new build rep, this gal would sit literally in her, and the, the office would be locked. She'd be sitting in her um, car, and whenever, and she had all the information about the builds and whatnot. Every time somebody would drive up, she would get out of her car, and, and she would do this. She would time block this on Saturday when she knew the new build rep uh, was really busy, and she would give them the information on the, on the, informa on the house and on the products, and then she'd also follow up and uh, ask if they have houses for sale. There's so many easy ways, and the, the, most, the simplest way is to have a trusted relationship with 
with a new build rep that they flip to you the resale, um, you know, so you can start getting that business as well from the perspective of someone needs to sell before they can buy because it's very difficult. It's, I mean, when was the last time you heard the term bridge loan? Nobody even does that anymore. If you're new to the business, a bridge loan was just that. It was a loan that you basically would, that the bank would give you to allow to give you the borrow the equity, half the equity typically of the of the house you're selling, put it towards the new house so you can basically own both homes at once while your old one was selling. Well, most people can't get those loans anymore, so most people have to sell concurrently or sell the old one first, move to rental, those types of situations. Well, that makes it so that you're even more relevant for that new build rep because they're not going to have a closing because they can't fall back on the buyer getting a bridge loan. Get it? So make sure you guys open your minds to all the possibilities and approach these new build reps professionally. I'm here to help you. How can I be of service to you? I know you're probably incredibly busy. What are the different ways that we can work together? You know, and then eventually you might even walk into um, them listing some specs with you. Specs is a house that a builder is speculating on. That's the name. And the builder might have some specs that are going up. Most of them do um, that they'll be willing to list with you. Matter of fact, get this, listeners. The number one real estate broker in the nation is a guy out of Houston. Or is it Dallas? No, it's Houston. We've had him on our podcast before, and he sells thousands of houses per year, but only sort of, kind of. What his business is, is he has a website. He's a real estate broker, but he has a website where all these broke, or all these builders put their, their spec inventory on his website for a tiny, tiny, tiny little fee, and that's how he makes his money. But when a sale happens, it goes through his license, so technically he's doing a transaction. So there's clearly a demand for what I'm describing. You guys are just going to have to be entrepreneurs and see the opportunity, and you'll carve it out. Now, maybe you want to have three or four relationships like this with three or four different new build reps. You guys see how the possibilities are out there? And by the way, none of what I've just told you costs you a damn nickel, not a cent. You're not having to buy into some real estate dot coms Mickey Mouse. All this stuff just takes you getting off your duff and going out there and basically being of service to other people, in this case, new build reps. Julie, next point? Yes, next point. Your own center of influence and past clients. This is your shadow inventory. Communicate regularly, as you should be anyway, with your own past clients and center of influence contacts so you have your own pocket listings. These are, again, your shadow inventory. Offer free comparative market analysis, CMAs, for purposes of property tax assessment revisions and have that conversation. Tell me more about your plans real estate-wise. you plan on being here for a while? They might say, you know what, we've been kind of kicking around the idea of selling, but we're not sure what we're going to buy. So what do you think you could get us for the, you know, what kind of price could you get? You do your CMA. You have a quasi-pocket listing. These are homes that you know might be matches for your own buyers. This is how the private non-MLS deals end up closing. There is way more of that going on than people know. So look at your own center of influence past clients. One of the ways that you can do this is to create a bomb bomb video and or an email blast, post it on Facebook, talking about your, your wayward, I call them the wayward buyers. They would buy, but you can't find them anything. Talk about what they want. Humanize them. Don't just sound like some random realtor prospecting, hey, you know, there's more buyers than listings to sell. You want to move? No. You want to humanize them and talk about young executive couple with two little kids seeks out a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half, two-car garage, you know, in the ABC school district, can have a fl flexible closing date, can go up to 650. You know, make it real and prospect your past client center of influence database. Many of you have done deals like this. We know that because you post them on Facebook, you share them with your coaches, you share them in Premier Coaching, 
this stuff absolutely works. So don't be lazy. So, Point so number three, wanted worth, ads. Bill, yes. Bill it's ahead. worth mentioning. Some of you guys are really an inventory scarce, you know, where there's true, and some of you guys are, where there's just like not a lot for sale. There's no builders. You know, I'm thinking of San Francisco and things like that, where it's landlocked, right? There's no there's no place for people to build. The only house, if someone wants to live, there's going to be a resale house. You've got to start being really, really selective on the buyers that you basically spend any time with. It is not your job to run a nonprofit business. You can be selective. The only reason you guys aren't more selective, it, well, first of all, some of you basically are uh, treating yourselves and your time valuably enough. You're not seeing it for what it is. The only irreplaceable thing that you have in your life is really time, okay? So if you have a choice between working with a buyer that has a house to sell where you can obviously get at least the sell transaction and working with a first-time home buyer that is only putting down 10% that's trying to buy in an incredibly competitive environment where they're competing against investors, you know, cash-buying buyers, all the rest of it. If you have the choice, because you, you have to start making choices about where you're going to put your time, you have to start making business decisions. Just because somebody wants to buy a house doesn't mean that they can just because someone wants to buy a house and they qualify doesn't mean that they can. Just because someone wants to buy a house and they qualify and they have realistic expectations in some markets doesn't mean that they can because they can't overpay. Because they won't, because you can't, you can't be competitive with, you know, maybe in your market, anybody who's not a full cash pay, close in 30 days, it's willing to go 10% over. Maybe that, the, you know, the listing agents say, I'm not even going to consider your offer. That is still happening. And that will continue to happen in a lot of these markets that are so appealing to, you know, millennial first-time buyers and baby boomer downsizers. Guys, there's going to be no real meaningful slowdown in those price points and move-ups for that matter. You know, the move-up price ranges too, depending on what that is in your individual market. So just put all these pieces in your head and you got to go – if you're working with buyers, and I say if you're working with buyers because – as we've said a million times, we would really prefer that you put all your best efforts every day towards working with sellers and not working with buyers. But if you happen to have buyers that you're working with, you need to go through every single one of these guys, the fine-tooth comb, and, and listen to our past podcasts we've done on being really picky with the buyers you work with. I'm not going to go through all the, you know, the points now to how to sort of high-level pre-qualify on your buyers, but there's very specific things you need to be asking about their financing and different things like that. Listen to those past podcasts. Just go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to timandjulieharris.com. Um, yeah, and then start making sure you're working with the folks that are most likely to purchase a house and get you paid. Next point, Jules. That's it, point number three, wanted ads. There's a sample of that, by the way, in the back of the Harris Rules book, as well as posted on the Premier Coaching website for our Premier Coaching clients, and lots of different twists on this, but wanted ads you literally are using – there's lots of different ways you can do it. You can do uh, postcards, newspaper ads, door hangers, flyers, Facebook posting. For your, It's a wanted, your home for my well-qualified, highly motivated buyers. And again, run their specific needs, describe their needs, target the exact neighborhoods you're looking for. I'll give you an example of this. And Tim, you'll remember this from probably last fall is when this happened. We were going on a walk, and we noticed one of our own neighbors had a big moving truck in the front lawn. Never had a for sale sign, never mentioned to anybody they were moving. In fact, it was the president and his wife of our neighborhood association, kind of invested in the neighborhood, right? And so we asked them, gosh, you know, you guys are moving? I didn't, I didn't know that. We'll miss you. And guess what they said? Yep, we got a letter in the mail that said there was a buyer looking in our subdivision who specifically wanted a one-level, flat-lot, wheelchair-friendly floor plan. 
well, that's what we've got. We weren't planning on moving for a couple of years, but yep, we're going to go buy new construction around the corner. And that was that. Was that. that letter sold their house. Never in the MLS, no for sale sign, nothing. It worked. It was a wanted letter. And I've got example after example of that happening with our coaching clients. Point number four, and these deals are happening more frequently as well, Zillow make me move. You do not have to be paying Zillow. When you start to, to search here, it will say log in with your Zillow account. That doesn't mean that you have to sign up to pay them. They just want you to have a username and passcode. So don't freak out if that pop-up comes up when you start using Zillow Make Me Move. These are homeowners who have gone to Zillow and created their home's profile, updated the information for accuracy, and have actually stated the price they want. Now, before you criticize the higher price than you think it's worth, because it almost always is on the high side, of course, realize that their stated price could be what they owe. It might you know, be a good short sale candidate. It could just be because they don't know. You know, It's not their job to do a CMA. So don't prejudge just because it seems high. Find out what their situation is, and maybe you've got a deal there. So you can use door hangers, postcards, door knock, and oftentimes the Zillow Make Me Move will have a pop-up that says email the homeowner. Sometimes it even has a phone number. There are deals being done out of the MLS with Zillow Make Me Move people. Now, so far, all of these four items that we've described, new construction, center of influence, wanted ads, and Zillow Make Me Move, here's some secret benefit to this, okay? And even our next category, which is Zillow pre-foreclosure, here's the deal. Since they're not actively in the MLS, you are very unlikely to have to compete. This is especially good when you're dealing with first-time buyers, VA, FHA, and or simply a super competitive market. Maybe your seller really is contingent on home sale, but because they're able to build or because you deal with a Zillow Make Me Move person, you have much more flexibility in controlling the nature of the transaction, closing dates, possession dates, you know, all of that stuff because you're not at the mercy of multiple offers. This is one great benefit to prospecting outside of the MLS. Okay? So point number five, Zillow.com, pre-foreclosure. When you use this, you'll get the exact addresses of homeowners who are already in pre-foreclosure. Now, uh, again, sign up for the free account. You're going to see the exact address instead of just the street. So if you're trying to do this and you only get the street, you need to have a username and passcode to Zillow. Again, door hangers, postcards, door knocking, all of this applies. And they may or may not be a short sale. Remember, some people who are in pre-foreclosure are just missing payments but actually have equity, which is not unusual in this market where things have been appreciating. So don't convince yourself not to go after it just because you don't want to deal with a short sale. Okay? Point number six. Expired listings, new expireds, old expireds, really old expireds. I would also throw in here for most MLSs, withdrawns temporarily off the markets. Call them all. You know they wanted to sell their home at one point in time. Check, again, check the withdrawns. A lot of deals are happening here because you go back two years and they expired at that price. You probably can get them that price in today's market. Don't overpromise unless you've done your research, but that's not unusual to actually turn an expired into a sale because the market has caught up to their price. Okay. Moving on to for sale by owners, and then I have to get to Premier. So, of course, for sale by owners, you know, I've got a private coaching client in, in uh, Washington State who basically their team is single-handedly eliminating all for sale by owners because their inventory is so <laughs> low 
their buyer agents are selling every freaking for sale by owner that's out there. In fact, it's caused a problem for their transaction coordinators because the for sale by owner doesn't really know what to do once they're in contract. So for sale by owners, they have a sign. It is a help wanted sign. They're crying for help. <laughs> and they're handing you a phone number, which many of you like to complain you can't get phone numbers. Not so with the for sale by owner unrepresented sellers. It's a more accurate description of what they are. Typically, they are not agent-hating do-it-yourselfers. More often than not, they just don't know a quality agent they can trust. It's you are call, you've got a call to provide the service on their behalf, but they don't know you exist if you don't reach out. So go after the for sale by owners, and guess what? You can probably also sell them a house. Don't think of them as just a for sale by owner. For your buyer, they probably will buy with you as well. So remember, one thing leads to the next, but only when you make the effort. So I'm going to turn the call over to you, Tim, so I can get to Premier, uh, and maybe we'll continue tomorrow as well, or Monday. Okay, back to you. So guys, going sort of circling the wagons back to where we started today's show, um, if you guys ever need us for anything, we're just an email away. Just email me directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. We get a lot of requests from people asking for us to speak at their office, speak at their brokerage, speak at their you know real estate, whatever. If you're interested in having us speak, we're interested. We're very, very selective on um, where we speak because just frankly, the travel and the associated hassle is just sometimes not worth it from a business perspective. But if you think we might be a good fit um, for your event, do feel free to email me directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. And agents, if you would like a free coaching call with uh, one of our new member coaches, please feel free to request a free coaching call at free, <coughs> freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And remember, just by requesting your free coaching call, we will give you – it's actually six books, but the two books I want you to pay attention to the most are the Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate – um, and the other one is the uh, Real Estate Treasure Map. Real Estate Treasure Map is, without a doubt, uh, one of the – honestly, it's one of the best books that Julie and I have written because it is so succinct in helping you to focus your mind on what you need to be doing with regards to your personal and your business goals. And then it helps you drill down on what you need to be doing specifically every day to accomplish those goals. Everything that we ask you guys to consider doing is practical and tactical, and 99% of these things are not going to cost you any money. Real estate does not need to be about spending all of your money and making no profit. And I, I seriously challenge that paradigm in the industry and will continue to do so. And the, we're doing it because we know at the end of the day, the real heart and soul of this industry are the boots on the ground, the individual practitioners, you guys who are, you know, listening are mostly those folks. So if there's ever anything we can do for you, it's Tim at timandjulieharris.com or Julie at timandjulieharris.com. You guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.